So why did they do this? And what's the point? So I've got a theory. Okay. I don't think you're going to like it. (laughs) I like it already. Hey everyone, and welcome to Bad Voltage Season 3, the season that never ends, show 57, possibly the show that's never going to end. And we are here with my fabulous compadres, Stuart Ian Langridge and Jeremy. I didn't even think, I didn't, I was asked to think of a name and I didn't think of one. I specifically I was reminded say, that's you. you did. Even better. Stuart suggested that I refer to him as Jeremy Gurthy Garcia, but I, uh, I re- refuse to uh, use that terminology. That is an outrageous it's, piece of slander! <laughs> it's it's both rude and untrue. Um, so um, today we thought we'd um, just talk about news. We haven't done just a show full of news for a little while. So, uh, do you want to kick us off, Langridge? Yeah, why not? Um, because I saw. A thing which surprised me. So Microsoft um, recently promised that they've made Microsoft Teams, uh, they say, less confusing and resource-hungry. Now, that wasn't a surprise, right? What surprised me is a graph I saw showing that Slack has about 20 million users. Microsoft Teams has 270 million users. And I don't know a single person who likes it. So I was going to say, by less confusing, it's not that it's overly confusing in, in my experience when I have to use it. It's that it just doesn't work half the time. Yeah. They're choosing a fake input that doesn't exist. And I, there's a Pulse Audio joke in there, I'm sure. But like, it doesn't happen with Zoom. <laughs> it doesn't happen with Chime or any of the other ones. It only happens with Teams. But I don't think it's a fair comparison because they're giving Teams away for free with Office 65. So if you're a Microsoft shop, you just use it and don't pay where slack especially if you're on grid is quite expensive sure yeah i mean and i i see that but it surprises me uh i mean this is a microsoft thing right inroads into the enterprise and but it still surprises me a bit just how much uh i end up in teams meetings because someone Someone sets up a meeting and then invites me to it. And I think, oh, God, it's a Teams one. Okay, so I've got to open it in Edge or Chrome then because it doesn't work properly in Firefox. And the 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 Linux desktop app is mind-blowingly worthless. So <laughs> I have to do it in the browser. But it just, the numbers surprised me. That there's, you know, literally 14 times as many people using Teams as Slack. And I think some of that might be using it as like a chat client rather than video calling or what have you. Um, yeah. We'd be curious on the distribution there, yeah. And I've I've never really gone deep into what Teams is actually for. I think uh, certainly a lot of businesses use it. I think a lot of schools use it for stuff. Right. But I, all, yeah, I mean, my my basic interaction with it is being in video calls that organized by someone else who works for the government or some big company or something. But I was interested in your thoughts. Like, do we think team is teams are teams is good? Does, does anyone like it at all? Good, good, good for what I guess would be the question. It's, it's, it's terrible in every conceivable manner. And is they it, try to make it, is better. it good for being a free replacement for an expensive thing? That's mediocre. 
Maybe. Wow, that was a weird question. That was that was a roller coaster of a sentence to go down. <laughs> I mean, I think we can all agree that Slack's not great. How right. what is yeah. basically a text client doesn't work with from what I can tell, nothing that isn't a gigabit connection is is very confusing to me. But every time I fly, I can use almost everything. And I don't like Gmail, of course, should work, also very light. But I can stream video from YouTube. Slack doesn't have enough bandwidth to work. And like, what are they doing? Really? I chat in Slack all the time on, on a plane. Really? That's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. Wow. I am. I am curious, dear listener, if you if you travel a lot and you use Slack, what is your experience like? Because you and I both travel a lot, so this is not a sample size of like one flight. I'm going over like <laughs> the last hundred flights I've been on. Slack works. If I'm not exaggerating, maybe twenty percent of the time. Did you ask if our listeners are traveling a lot? Our listeners, really, the toothless morons who listen to this show, hey! traveling around in a caravan. <laughs> <laughs> Our people are fabulous, and you can shut up. However, I suspect if I had to guess, I would say if I were to unfairly character, uh, characterize our listenership as a whole, I reckon they probably don't like teams either. So, right, and they're going to tell me that IRC works great, I'm sure. So fair, fair uh, I, so I suspect you probably hear more about Matrix these days, if I'm honest. But, oh, <laughs> right. yeah. but yeah, no, I'm just the, the, the numbers surprised me. And what was more interesting is not just that it started high and remained high. This, um, if you look at this graph, which I'll link to in the show notes, um, Slack has basically flatlined at about this 20 million users for the last few years. And Teams, it's gone exponential. Uh, this is only in the last sort of, uh, it was about the same level as Slack was uh, two or three years ago. And it's rocketed up. And I don't understand exactly why that is. I mean, sure, Microsoft's still in a very dominant position for um people using stuff at work. Absolutely. But there's no necessary reason why people would have to choose teams, I don't think. And yet yep. they are in absolute droves. Well, I think a lot of it is if you're a Microsoft shop, it's just way easier to provision and deploy for your team for for, for your teams. Yep. Um oh. and as we've talked about in the past, you know, no no a number of times, like there's just so many companies are using Microsoft products, right? Um I think that's probably the reason why. It's like, you know, if you can just switch it on, it's included in your you know, your plan with Microsoft, then boom. Yep. And I also so. think Budgets were not that scrutinized for a while, and in the last year, they are being scrutinized exponentially more, so it doesn't surprise me that a free thing is growing that rapidly. Yeah. Oh, I see. So so you think some of it is that they've gone, why are we paying this much money to Slack or whatever? Um, yes. Why don't we just switch to Teams because we get that for free because we're already paying for 365? Yes. Oh, that sounds that sounds quite plausible as an explanation, actually. But yeah, okay. But I just, uh, as I say, I was just surprised by the numbers and the fact that Microsoft have recognised that Teams makes me want to hurt myself every time I use it, and they're trying to fix it is encouraging, at least that they're prepared to look at this. The um, there now I've got to look up the chap's name, um, because the uh, I've forgotten his name, and it was cool. There was a guy called uh, Thad Scott, and I thought Thad was a very cool name. He's a Microsoft design guy, and and he said Thad, T H A D, and he said, "Do you say it Thad or do you say Tad?" Might be Thad. 
I don't know. Hard. <laughs> he said, Hard he, Scott. He said many it's of like the that. challenges people faced when using them were rooted in basic UX problems, which I think is reasonable. You know, I find it very confusing whenever I have to use it. So anyway, that was it. Just Teams is way more popular than I thought it was, outside of the bubble where I hardly ever run into people who are just using a bog-standard Windows laptop. <laughs> yeah. I have a piece of news. Next. So did you see that... I think it was today or last couple of days, there was an open letter from a whole bunch of tech leaders um, calling for a halt on AI development for six months. Um, It includes Elon Musk, Steve Wozniak from Apple, uh, a whole bunch of people. Um, And we've talked quite a bit in the past about whether you can stop technology being developed. Uh, And we've generally fallen on the line of you can't. Like... It does make me wonder, um, well, two thoughts which I'd like to get from both of you, which is one is um, there's a much broader conversation about is AI actually going to become dangerous? Uh, and I think we might actually want to have a show on that that's, because that's a really say, interesting a, topic. a meaty topic. Yeah. Um, but the main thing I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts on is like, these are smart people as a general rule who are putting together this open letter and I think most people would think, well, what's the point? Like, it's you're not going to stop it, right? You're not going to stop the development of even if you're just looking at open AI. There's all kinds of other AI initiatives going on. You're not going to stop it. So why did they do this? And what's the point? So I've got a theory. Okay. I don't think you're going to like it. Um, <laughs> I like it already. So, um, is it, it that I'm not girthy? Exactly <laughs> the point you make there, Jono. That these are. Not necessarily all of them, but a reasonable uh, proportion of the people signing this thing are smart. And this is basic media literacy. Doing this is not going to make a difference. But what it is going to do is keep AI in the news. You, you're saying, you know, should we have a show on it? Is AI dangerous? Sure. But what the people who are funding and building AI want is for that conversation to be going on all the time because it's really interesting. It means that every headline has AI written in it somewhere. It keeps it in the news, in people's minds. If there's a an active controversy about something, it's much more interesting. So it's constantly top of the news cycle. Do we? What, what about AI? They want people sitting back and giving controversial takes and hot takes on it and stroking their beards and wondering what we should do about this next. And... A reasonable proportion of the people involved in that open letter bloody well ought to be smart enough to have enough media literacy to know this to the point where it almost feels deliberate. I mean, this is a bit... So hang on a second, just so I understand what you're saying. Are you saying that this group of people put together an open letter for the purpose of keeping AI in the news cycle? Because you're starting to sound a little bit like Alex Jones at this point. I, I was going to say, you, you haven't been like smoke room Kabali in a while. Right. And, it's and this not, is like it, a throwback act. Right, yeah, I it like is a it. throwback. It's yeah. not quite. I don't, I don't think it's quite that deliberate, right? There are no actually smoky backroom cabals. And people do not sit there and go, ah, oh, I feel like there should be an invasion in South America this year to improve my gold stocks. That's not how it actually works, right? So you're but, not in the Illuminati. No, but it does. Um, 
so I do not think it, um, I do not think most people are deliberately thinking, let's manipulate the market to keep, or let's manipulate the media to keep these things in the news because then my investments pay off, right? It's not that explicit. But you ought to realize that publishing a letter like this, what it will, the effect it will have is keep it in the news, keep everyone talking about it, which means that if you actually want the thing to stop, this is utterly not the way to go about it and anyone with a gram of media literacy ought to know that yeah but anyone with a gram of media literacy also knows that you can't just ignore something and it'll go away sure right so So what do you do like i i I agree with you that the the open letter is kind of silly right um because it's not really going to have any meaningful impact other than that there is a great level of concern about ai from all of these very you know, well-known people. But, like, what's your other option? If you so, want to actually stop the development of AI or reduce the risk of it, like, what else can can they do? I don't know. That's why they didn't get me to sign the open letter. <laughs> um, but this is, this is <laughs> only, only one of the many reasons why. Um, but this, to me, this feels like such a transparently stupid way to go about it that, Everyone signing it is at least guilty of not thinking this through to the end of the next news cycle, right? Let alone thinking through the long-term implications of what they're doing. Literally, what they're doing is they're keeping this a hot topic, which is a win in itself for the people who want this stuff to work. To me, this is like... Do you remember when Gillette did the advert and had Colin Kaepernick in it? Oh, vaguely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was actually actually a short film. It was about what it is. Um, uh, they were attempting to reframe, or they claimed they were attempting to reframe the debate about what it is to be a man in modern society. And, That's right, yeah. Uh, and the aim was, I think, quite good. But it kicked up the mother of all controversies from all your typical lunatic renter quote types all like uh, let, let, uh, stop telling little boys how to be men and all this to the point where you think this seems like you wanted the controversy because that's basically free advertising right and again that's slightly conspiracy theory but also they clearly thought of that and this feels kind of along those lines right if you want to stop ai or if you want to get people to dial back on it, this is not the way to do it. At, at best, it's a it's a misstep if your actual goal is to have this thing slow down. And I do not believe that anyone signing that letter is, stu- is stupid, and therefore they must know this. Yeah, but you're associating there that the news cycle covering the open letter is inherently connected to increasing the danger of AI. I get the impression all they want to do here is literally just make the world realize that that, that um, the, the concern about the danger of AI is not from a bunch of lunatics on a forum on the internet. It's from some very, very well-known, like there's a large group of people coming together to say, we're really concerned about this and we need to start a dialogue about it. That was the impression I got from it. Okay, so what you do is you ring up all the investors you know and say, um, I'm going to stop recommending you to people unless you stop investing in this or something, I, right? I, I don't know. These are powerful, influential thing. people. That's not really, That's not going to happen. 
Then in that case, what you're saying is it's not stoppable. And why bind your name to a thing which is inevitably going to happen and which you can't so stop? So I don't think it? anyone here it's- is trying to stop it. I think they are trying to put more of a spotlight on some of the potential medium-term to long-term repercussions of the technology in a way that I'm trying to think of a corollary and I can't come up. I wasn't alive, but I'm assuming uh, when nuclear weapons were originally proliferating, you could never have stopped them, but there was treaties that slowed them down. And this, I'm guessing, is what they hope is the equivalent to that. So if you can buy six months to better understand some of the repercussions and ramifications, that's what they're looking for is that bought time, not stop. Like Technology is never going to stop. It's not a thing that can happen. Because even if all the companies involved in this, from Apple to Twitter to Tesla to looking at like quite a few people sign this even if all those companies stop working on ai other people would just work on it like it's not a thing yeah, that you can stop exactly but if you can put the spotlight and get some of the guardrails on it i'm guessing is what they're actually trying to accomplish here um and it might connect as well into things like regulation so for example i don't know how people build nuclear power plants but i'm presuming that if you build a nuclear power plant there's got to be a there's a series of government-related agencies that will approve and certify that you can actually go into production of nuclear power. And I can imagine those organizations saying, if there's any AI components to this, there's a really tight level of restriction around that. Or it could be AI being used inside of government systems. Anywhere where, or the FDA in America with like with with with, with food, like if, if AI is going to start being integrated into the generation of food, like running machines that are generated, like gen- genetically modified food or what I don't know what it might be. But I imagine that like AI to me becomes really dangerous when it gets connected into things that can cause that kind of harm, right? Chat GBT being really fucking good is not really dangerous other than the risk of, um, of deception, right? Is that people can take something from Chat GBT and pretend it's their own, right? Um, so, uh, but- so I think there are a bunch more risks than that, but whatever, carry on. And that's what we should talk about in the show where we talk yeah, about it, because right? yeah, sure. there's loads to this, but yeah. And I guess I hadn't actually seen this before now. They're not even asking for a pause of all work. Their no. main ask is that we call on all AI labs to immediately pause for at least six months the training of AI systems more powerful than GPT-4. So they're not even asking for work to stop on what we're doing. So the ask doesn't even seem unrealistically that large, but... But you see, but, um, but this, this comes back to, uh, the point you made, uh, a minute ago, Jono, that, um, if, uh, if a whole bunch of big companies and big players pull out, people will still go on anyway. Sure. But then what you want to be doing is trying to stop funding for it. Because if there's no funding in it, a whole bunch of people won't do it. Why? But I don't understand how you think you can quote unquote stop funding. I, don't know either. Given the number of billionaires on Earth, getting something that has the potential to be legitimately revolutionary and change business models at their core, why would you think you could stop funding that? Like, that's not... But, but, but then why... What are they hoping to even do? If if that's the case, if it's like, well, if it's going to make more money for people, then it's going to get funded, and people are going to do it, and there's literally nothing we can do about that, then what's the point in anything? I mean, I'm guessing that I, I would imagine they're looking for. They mentioned policymakers like six times. They they want some kind of regulation. Yeah, like like we said, you'll ne- you'll never stop the technological development. You'll never stop the investment because uh, the VCs and and angel investors, whatever else, are investing in companies 
the vast majority of AI companies, I don't think are doing anything that's intended to be dangerous, right? They just want to make it easier for people to run businesses or do whatever. So that's always going to happen. I think they don't know the what they're doing, though. They're running faster than they're running in a yes. way that they can't see where they're going and they have no idea where they'll end up at all. Yeah, the implications are, are in no way fleshed out. But we could say the same thing at the beginning of social media. We could say the same thing at the beginning of the internet. You know, we could say the same thing at the beginning of of having mobile devices and a screen that you can grab in any moment. Like none of us really knew the implications. Yeah, I mean that's in a way how technology works. Yeah, we've had generations of AI science fiction, which has helped freak people out a little bit more, I think. So. All right. So uh, should we go on to something else? What's next? Sure. Okay. Um, so the United States are looking at banning TikTok. <laughs> oh, yeah. This, this is an interesting There's one. There's so much to unpack here that... It is an interesting one. So uh, a couple of details to catch people up who haven't necessarily heard this story. So TikTok has 150 million users in the US, and there is currently a bill in the Senate, I believe, um, called the Restricting the Emergence of Security Threat to the Risk Information and Communications Act. And what Snappy. It does, yeah. It, well, it, they call it the Restrict Act, for which is actually surprisingly difficult to say. But, restrict um, act restrict act you see it's difficult <laughs> it sounds like a deathcore band <laughs> live on stage restrict act <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Right. um so it authorizes the white house to review technologies which arrive from abroad um the commerce department could then move to ban those technologies or seek to force their sale depending on any reviews findings and senator mark warner who is chair of the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, said, at the end of the day, TikTok is owned by a Chinese company, and by Chinese law, that company has to be willing to turn over data. So it's interesting that um, the US government see this as a threat and that they're arrogating themselves the right to do something about it. I've also seen a few people say, this is absolutely unreasonable. Only American companies should be allowed to steal and misuse your data, but it's a problem if someone else does it, in which they kind of have a point. But I'm interested in what you think about this thing as a whole. Is it the right thing to do? Do do we think TikTok is a problem? Uh, Is it uniquely a problem? If it is, is this the right way to go about it? What? I'm I'm not a fan of banning an app. It seems like the wrong way to to approach something. You should either figure out what, from a compliance perspective, you don't like about that app, and then make a rule that applies to all apps, and then yeah, you would be banning it based on right. that it's not in compliance with that law. Or you should utilize current. There's currently restrictions around what other countries can do in an, in your country, and if they want to view it from that angle and make them sell it to an American company, then there's uh, that like that precedent already exists. But framing this as banning TikTok, I think, is naive and, and the and the wrong approach. I agree. Like set policy <clears throat> that should because the issue is not really TikTok. The issue is the unhealthy uh, output of people who extensively use TikTok. Right? It's it's, no. it's people. It's 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 the it is. That's 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 not what they claim the issue is. Anyway, they claim the issue is that TikTok shares information with the Chinese government. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, but to me, that's again, that's nothing specific to TikTok. You could have another app that shares information with the Chinese government, right? And yeah. you'd still have the same concern. It's nothing specific to TikTok. TikTok is just the implementation of the problem. Yes. But, um. So yeah, I agree with with Jeremy. Like. I also just like, I think when governments, 
as a general rule, restrict individual products. I think it can be a bit of a slippery slope if there isn't clear policy in, in the reason why. I mean, there's governments restricting um, categories of stuff like drugs, for example, right? Like cocaine is illegal. Um, and all cocaine, whether you get it, doesn't matter which cartel you get it from, it's going to be illegal. Um, whereas an individual app, as opposed to the policy, strikes me as a bit of a dangerous slope. I, I mean, so taking up the other side of that argument, um, all cocaine is illegal, but um, not all drugs are illegal, right? Yeah. And so TikTok to me feels like cocaine, maybe, but alcohol's legal. And, yeah, I and mean, it, it depends I mean, on you, how you categorize it, right? You know, I mean, the, 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 that argument is on pretty shaky ground in places, I think. Well, and, it depends on how you categorize it. If, if the, if the category is too broad, then, of course, it doesn't apply. So the category's got to be sufficiently narrow to differentiate between the things that you – like, there's not an attempt to ban Twitter, Right. Some people might think there should be an attempt about Twitter. <laughs> no, well, so, so, so Twitter is a whole different kettle of fish. So let's um, consider Facebook because Twitter has its own different weird problem at the moment or it's got its own different weird boss as a problem at the moment, perhaps. Um, so right. consider Facebook as an alternative. It's probably a good way of thinking Great about boss. it. <laughs> well, I mean, a problem, sure. Um, Maybe this is the category, shitty bosses of well, social media companies. Man, there'd be, there'd be none. <laughs> um, but, but, that, but that to me is kind of the thing. So if you consider Facebook, um, uh, the thing I said earlier was about 60% a joke, but it's hard to avoid the conclusion that if Facebook existed, if Facebook had come from China, that there'd be the same concern about it. At which point it starts becoming about the technology and starts basically becoming the Chinese government does stuff that we don't agree with, but we don't want to have a law about that because it ignites a geopolitical firestorm. So this feels almost like a Doesn't I mean, look at how China operates the internet in China. Yeah. The US aren't prepared to do anything about that, is the point. It's like, fine, the Chinese government, you want to, um, uh, you want to require that all Chinese apps with Chinese users do things? Not our problem, right? Hands tied, we're America. But we don't want Americans using this thing. And perhaps that would be the same if WeChat was actually popular in the US, which it isn't. But it seems to be being at least partially painted as being a TikTok problem rather than a geopolitical China government problem. I don't know. It strikes me that uh, the yeah. TikTok issue, the TikTok, TikTok is the manifestation of a, of a national security problem. But only because TikTok's popular. People in the US are using it. Sure. But the same thing happened with Huawei. Yeah. Right. And no one uses Huawei devices over here. Like in a consumer setting, I right? don't. I don't think anyone was pushing back on Huawei because they made phones for consumers. They were pushing back on Huawei because they made five G antennas that you'd put yes, all over 100%. the country. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. They, definitely. They, 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 definitely. They, 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 in which they are popular. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they. That's what they were pushing back on. It's, it's not because of the four people in America who own a Huawei phone. Right. I mean, there's no doubt that the sheer popularity. I mean, the fact that basically just under half of all americans are using tiktok right yeah. i'm not sure if half of all americans are using toothbrushes um <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke before anybody gets mad at me um of course there's a lot of toothbrush use in the u.s um but yeah i mean 
yeah, there's no doubt the popularity is having an impact. And I think also the fact that it's just, it's so heavily used by young people, right? It's used by kids and teenagers, which is going to make the issue even more kind of. One of the things I found most surprising about all of this is the CEO of TikTok went in front of Congress and made so clear that he is not in charge of TikTok yeah. that it was wild that he wasn't more prepared for those questions. Yeah, I, I think if he would have came in and been like, no, this this is all under control and would have exuded that he was the leader and that was really, you know, an American company doing fo- with a foreign subsidiary, et cetera, et cetera. He was he made so clear that he has no power at all and doesn't even know what's happening that it was to me a little bit wild. Yeah, I I honestly don't know whether that's cultural difference or whether it's um that he just wanted to tell the truth about it because it's not actually his problem or what um it may be that he was somewhat surprised to be being asked the question in the same way that um if an american ceo went to the chinese government and they said um you have to fix this he'd be like i can't fix that people are allowed to do what they want on my platform and they're like what do you mean they're allowed to do what they want that's just ridiculous that doesn't make any sense um (laughs) So, uh, but I, I have no real sense. I did a little bit of reading around, um, uh, Shuzi Chu, who is the chief of TikTok, but I have no real sense of what his vibe is. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, th- this to me feels like it, it's the latest manifestation of a, of a, uh, uh, geopolitical disagreement, which is rooted in the same thing as whether you recognize whether Taiwan's a real country or not, you know? It, 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 this is just one more stick to pick up in that fight. It just yeah. ha- it just yeah. happens to be one which is going to affect 150 million users. The, the yeah, other yeah. thing that came out of the hearing that's terrifying, though, is the people regulating this clearly don't understand what they're actually regulating. Oh, the, they have these does, questions. Does it like, access does it your home Wi Fi question? It's like, I, uh, do, what? Come on. I, 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 I know. No. But, but this is um, some of the issue with. Um, well, I was going to say government regulation of technology, but having spoken to a whole bunch of government regulators, actual regulators know what they're talking about. Elected people, not so much. <laughs> it's, it is hilarious how bad politicians are at evaluating these kinds of issues. Um, and especially, I think, especially in America, where everything is so visual and it's so like, it's so much stuff is made for television. There's so much posturing in these kinds of like committee hearings with like the people with the big boards behind them and stuff like that, where you in many cases just see how utterly like unprepared a lot of politicians are in figuring this stuff out. Uh, uh, I mean, again, I mean, I appreciate my role in this whole show is to be smoke filled back room guy, but again, this almost feels deliberate that it's, it's seen as, um, well, it is disappointing to me that, not knowing about the technology that you are required to regulate as a representative of the people, this is seen as somehow a good thing and showing that you're in touch with the grassroots or whatever, right? It's, I don't understand why elected politicians aren't embarrassed that they don't know about this stuff in a way that they would be if they would stand up and say transparently stupid things about the law. 
well, most yeah. of most of them, they would be like, I can't go out there and say a thing which is and go, oh, well, I've got no idea what's that. Why would anyone know about that? That's ridiculous. Ask stupid, basic questions about the law. They'd look like idiots on C-SPAN or on Parliament TV or whatever. Um, yeah. But this does not happen about technology. It doesn't happen about maths. It doesn't happen about science. And that's what I'd like to see change, that – being perf- being deliberately performatively not stupid but ill-informed about this is seen as being okay in our representatives i'd be surprised if it's i'd be surprised if it's deliberate but it's certainly visible and it wouldn't surprise me if a lot of these politicians are basically like i don't give a shit about this techno- technology stuff they say to an intern go and figure it out for me and then they walk in there and they read this piece of paper on the way in and then they amazingly convert this into a seemingly logical set of conclusions. This, this is exactly the thing that I would like to see fixed. And, uh, you know, this is not a point to figure with any one individual person. This is a big picture societal change. But the idea that it's perfectly reasonable to go, oh, I don't know anything about maths. I don't know anything about science. When you're like, Dude, this stuff moves the world. Half of all Americans are using TikTok and you don't understand the basic nature of it like this is important and it's your job because it's no one else's job it's because they're all on or cut um <laughs> wow well, they're, sending, they're sending messages backwards and forwards on google wave because teams is too confusing so <laughs> but anyway yeah i mean so i thought this was an interesting thing but and it's make it's making people take a side on it which is disappointing yeah i mean this honestly there's so much to unpack in different angles yeah. that it's this could be a whole show easily yes why uh, don't we uh i know we've only got a few minutes left why don't we squeeze one more in 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 a couple of minutes we'll okay, quickly spin it. through this did you see about google search are going to be adding uh something called perspectives and about are. this author to to verify information i actually really like the idea of one of the things that um i've become a bit of a fan of on twitter is community notes and i actually signed up just to play around with it where you know someone tweets something and then other people kind of go in there with 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 a sourced response that will often say this person is misrepresenting the issue or this is untrue and as a general rule i find that those community notes are reasonably are reasonably good right i mean nothing's perfect in life the idea of showing different perspectives like you you know fox news article goes upon google and showing other perspectives around that topic i think is actually a good thing but what do you guys think so i think this is interesting i'm at- I am not surprised you think it's cool, Jonna, because you predicted this approximately um, in a prediction show like five years ago. Um, I was close. We, uh, <laughs> not, not, not precisely absolutely this, but what had happened- I'll take the win. Do I what, get half a point? Yeah, yeah, yeah half a point. No, save, save it up for Christmas because it'll be the only half point you get if I'm in the right. I know. Um, Sad but true. So we had a lot of discussions around this. Around the time that um, Twitter were first bringing in fact-checking of stuff and BuzzFeed were adding um, contrary opinions at the bottom of articles and linking out to other news sources and so on when they reported on news. Uh, and it seems like a very thorny topic to me. Um, I like the idea of binding fact checking to thing, and there is basically nowhere on earth more visible to do it than in Google search. So YouTube have done this for quite a while, for example. Um, if you go, if you look at a YouTube video about flat earth or whatever, you get a big banner at the bottom which says the earth is not flat. Here's a bunch of links to actual science. 
right? Um, right. Uh, uh, and climate denier videos get a thing at the bottom saying, climate change is a real thing. Here's a bunch of links to science. Pay attention. And that, to me, seems good. But at scale, I don't know how you stop people weaponizing it. Um, because it requires a balance. It requires the company running it to take a stand. Right. It would, it would be nice if we could all just believe that there is largely truth on a lot of these things. And therefore it is reasonable to put underneath what links to, um, essentially the correct viewpoint underneath climate denier videos or underneath flat earth videos or whatever. And that seems to work. But Google doing this at scale for search things is, I think it's a good idea. But in practice, when people try to do this, they end up being afraid of doing it because it requires you to say things like, hey, a whole bunch of Republican congressmen are basically Nazis and they can't say that. Yeah, right? I mean, the, uh, the, for, science, for, for things that are science, science related. Yes. It, it, it's a no brainer to me because like you can say yes. the, the flat earth is a great example. This is scientifically untrue. Yes. Um, where it gets thorny, I think, is is for the typical hot-button topics in politics, like abortion, right? There is no right or wrong viewpoint. People have different perspectives and different opinions on that. Um, and, um, and you know, so you can't – there's no, like, scientific – it's not like there's a there's – a, it's, it's a one or a zero like there is with science, right? Like and, if we're, and, and if this is where you know, I'm so. concerned about the weaponization of it, that someone writes an article about – the latest school shooting in america and then someone says but i want the alternate perspective which is that guns are brilliant to be printed at the bottom of that article and you've said you you show alternative viewpoints and perspectives google why aren't you doing that and right i don't know how you resolve that without google actually taking a stance on stuff which they have historically been extremely reluctant to do twitter's well, got got to some extent by going their community notes nothing to do with us but that kind of yep. thing is Again, that to me is the, that, that to me is the solution. Is that you? Uh, you see, but like, again, again, I think, that's, think, that's think, weaponizable. This is where you, if you can get a bunch of people to downvote a particular or report a particular tweet, then that person gets banned just because loads of people are reporting it, and that happens. Yeah, a lot. I mean, you, you, yeah, there's no doubt. You got to like the, the the proof is in the pudding. Yeah, um, I think I think create an environment where people see all perspectives or a variety of perspectives is healthy. Um, and what isn't healthy is people who misrepresent. Um, like this is the reason why I can't stand the hardcore left or right media is because they misrepre- mis- misrepresent the issues or they they exaggerate. Um, so if there's a way in which, who knows, maybe AI can help with this. If there's a way in which people can say, <laughs> okay, these are the bullet point, different perspectives on this, and then you can read it and you can click on sources to go and learn more about it. But you know, it's a, it is a thorny issue. I agree. I, with I you. don't know. What do you think, Jeremy? I, I don't I don't know. <laughs> it's because uh, yeah. this, this is the balance. I think I this seems like the sort of idea which is good to think up in a room, but actually doing it, yeah, seems very hard. We saw the struggles that Twitter had with it before current management. Um, you know whether it's reasonable to actually say this thing this person has said is wrong sets off a huge number of arguments and i don't i don't know how google are going to resolve that in 
the most high profile place it's possible to do it. Because you know there's going to be, you know, a class action suit against them for saying flat earth isn't true or something. Right? Yeah, yeah. Are you paying the $8 before uh, April Fool's Day? No. Absolutely not. Are you, <laughs> I'm already paying the $8. Really? Are you really? Yeah. I've been paying it for the last six months. Wow. Then you get to vote in polls, I guess. Enjoy that. <laughs> yeah. Lucky me, eh? <laughs> wow this is the uh this is the wealthy life that i always dreamed of being able to vote in twitter polls <laughs> wow okay um no I, I, but i i hardly look at twitter anymore so right um <laughs> little need to feed that particular beast um yeah. it's, it is uh, on um, that eight dollar bombshell <laughs> yes <laughs> We should wrap it up. I know we gotta, we're going to get Jeremy out of here. He's got a meeting to go to. Um, so, folks, what did you think? Let us know what you thought about all the stuff we talked about. I'm especially interested to hear what people think about the AI thing. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, the the AI open letter, yes. Uh, well, you, open, can, you yeah. can actually go and sign it if you want to. So right. I'm interested in whether people have signed it, whether they think it's a good idea, yeah. um, whether they think – so my point is not necessarily that what they're saying is incorrect. It's that this is a bad way to get what they want to happen to happen. So, yep. um, yeah. And I'd like to know people's broader thoughts on AI is, do we think it's going to be dangerous? And we should, I'm going to write it in the doc, in the show do, notes. Yes. Yeah. yeah we, well, we should, we should revisit this because I think it's an interesting and quite relevant topic. Yeah. It is. Played, so. played a few shows. Good thought. While you're doing that, um, I will mention that um, all the editing for this show is done by Marius Quarbeck of NerdZoom Media. And, yes. And he's great. So go to nerdzoom.media in case you need anything, any kind of audio work done or anything because he's fab. <laughs> he is. He is fab indeed. All right. Peace out, everyone. We're good. Thanks, all. Mm-hmm.